0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Everybody, welcome. Your saltwater guide, Captain Dave Hanson, with another phenomenal podcast for you. We have a super internet sensation, but one of the hardest working men I know. He is one of the guys up there on the Chesapeake Bay. Luke McFadden's joining us today. We're gonna talk about crabs. We're gonna talk about work. We're gonna talk about all that cool stuff that goes into fishing. But before we get started, gang, I wanna let you all know that I got that gift package for you, lifetime membership to the website, $350. By the way, yesterday was the best day we've ever had, your saltwater guide. We signed up quite a few of you to the gift package that we have available right now. $350 for lifetime membership with all the bundles to your saltwater guide. And I think everybody understands that the price of tea in China is going up here on January 1st, 2024. If you don't know why, you probably haven't been outside in the last year, but everything's gone up double, triple in the last two years. I don't know what caused that, but that's not that. That's not what we're doing on this show. But all I can tell you is the price of your saltwater guide is going to go up. So if you want to get in now, now's the time and take advantage of the uh, lifetime membership for three hundred and fifty dollars. And then Justin, Pablo, and Sonny are all selling gift certificates for you for the holidays. And they're a guide trip with Justin, Pablo, or Sonny out of the Channel Islands, Long Beach, L.A., Catalina, or San Diego. Five hundred dollars. That's a that's a big discount it's normally a thousand dollars to get one of our guides to come with you we're doing this for you so make sure you take advantage of that you give me a call at 949-374-0786 and we will get you signed up get you taken care of get those gift certificates whatever you need to make this a great holiday we got you covered I promise you it will be phenomenal and those of you that are wondering what do I get my spouse for the holidays We have a line of clothing. We have have everything. We have swag. We have stickers, hats, shirts, cups. We got everything you need. Plus, if you show up to the Pacific Coast Sport Fishing Show wearing our stuff, we give you free stuff there at the show. Just for showing up, wearing your saltwater guide guard. I'll be speaking every day at the PCS show, so make sure you show up there. Kelly Girl and I will be there. We'll have a big booth, and that's going to be in March, and we'll start running ads for that January 1st but you can see it every once in a while it pops up on my social media feed because my producer Elliot is in charge of all marketing for Pacific coast Sport fishing festival. So that's why you're seeing stuff from, from that on our website already. And we will get this whole thing going in the right direction gang with all of you. If you go to the website and you look at all the comments and check out the community, you'll be just amazed at how much information is shared on that website. With over 4,200 members now, I guarantee you somebody's fishing in the zone you want to go fishing in tomorrow. And all you got to do is jump on the website, talk to them on the community, and you'll be dialed in and you'll be catching fish just like they are. There's our there's our QR code for our store. You want to get any of our swag, grab it right there. I promise you the stuff I give you at the PCS show will be as worth as much as the stuff you buy. So without any further ado, let's bring in the man. Luke McFadden, welcome to the show, buddy. I am so happy you're here. This is going to be so much fun. You make me laugh every day. I watch your video. <laughs>
2: yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, why are you a little bit late? Uh, I was duck hunting this morning. I just got yes. in, literally, in true Luke fashion. I uh, not not one full minute to spare. I got in and logged <laughs> in, but uh, yeah, we were uh, we're out on the bay this morning shooting ducks. So.
1: How First day of the third
2: split. How cold is it there? It's it's been cold in the mornings and then it's been warming up in the afternoons. But I mean, I went yesterday, I went patent tonging in the morning with somebody and uh oyster it was like in the 20s. It was said 27, and then you know how it is when you get out on the water, it's a lot, it's either a lot warmer or a lot colder, and it was freaking cold yesterday, man. It's hard to hold that gun, huh? Oh, yeah, no doubt.
1: So today is also today's show is sponsored by Deccan Sports, Luke. And I want you to check out in a little bit, we're going to show a video of the design of these kill bags that Dave and the guys over at Deccan Sports have come up with. You had never seen anything like it. So we'll show you that video in a little bit. And Dave, the owner of Deccan Sports, is watching us right now. He's a huge fan of yours. So Dave, thanks for watching. And uh, Luke, the thing that had me transfixed on your – um. Social media is does it catch? I oh, yeah. think that is the coolest thing you've ever come up with. Does it catch? I am the only thing I don't like is I don't know when you're gonna post. When you throw the bait in there, then the next day, what time are you gonna post? Did it catch or not? And then I don't see it, and I'm like, shit, did it catch. I don't <laughs> even know if the sourdough bread
2: caught or not. I know I got to uh, I got to get it on a more regular posting schedule, but in the summertime. You know, I mean, I'm I'm crabbing, catching crabs, selling crabs, and doing social media. So I'm shooting these videos. You know, I have a little bit of a schedule, but you know, I'm posting them as whenever I can. Basically, I'm trying to shoot as many as I can and have them ready. You know, so I'm trying to get a little more organized, a little more streamlined for this year. But yeah, I mean, last year it was a it was a good. Um, you know, proof of concept, basically, people really like that series a lot. You know, it got the fans interacted and, you know, pe- people really were, were really into it. We tried all kinds of stuff. Oh, it's so fun, gang. If
1: you haven't seen it, Elliot will show throw up your uh, Instagram and your YouTube pages on here, gang. You got to follow Luke. It's so fun. Besides all that, you show everybody what's going on with your boat, your car, your outboard motor everything you got going on there is no secret we know how hard it is for you to put together a day of crabbing
2: oh yeah no doubt yeah it's uh there's a lot that goes into it and then you throw social media into the mix and it's uh it's a whole nother uh, whole nother job basically oh yeah there you go there it is yep yes yeah, so we call that series can it catch and if you go on to the Instagram and press on reels and scroll back they'll be there we haven't put up a I haven't put up any lately just because it hasn't been crabbing season uh, since, like, November or so. But, yeah, there's uh, there's lots of them up there. I don't even know how many Kennet Catch episodes we filmed and put up this year. But uh, it was quite quite a few. I've lost count of even what, what we've all tried. <laughs> uh, it's so much fun
1: to watch you. But then to watch the trial and tribulations of getting your gear ready and getting everything – you keep us all in on this. And I mean, I'm a fisherman my whole life and I've done every aspect, but I've never crabbed in the Chesapeake Bay. So when I'm watching you, I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool because I'm learning a bunch about what you're doing and I'm wa- trying to pay as much attention as I can. Gang, I'm telling all of you that are watching right now, you need to follow Luke. It is so much fun for stuff to watch. And I don't know, Luke, if you've been paying attention to what we're doing now, but we're doing live Lobster
2: fishing live. We're doing it live out on the water three or four times nice. a week. It's pretty That's incredible. Awesome. But I, how are you catching them? Are you potting them, or are you diving for them, or what? No,
1: we have what's called a hoop net. We got a oh. company out here on the west coast that makes these round nets, and you put bait in the middle of it. You throw them down on the bottom. The the crabs or the lobsters can get in and get out as much as they want. It's just a matter of hey. Are they in there or are they not? We pull them right, every half right. an hour. You pull them every half hour, we get to see. But we started doing it live out on the water. We let it go the whole time we're out there.
2: Nice. And we're getting
1: 20, 30,000 minutes watched a night, which is pretty incredible. But I wanted to tell you the reason I'm doing this is because of you. Can it catch? Oh, yeah. Nice. And there we are right there. That's one of my guides. That's Justin out on his boat. He's got a nice ocean and goes out with four people. They pay to go and they get to catch
2: the lobsters and then take them home and eat them. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's super cool. The uh, the Kennet it Catch, it's a very similar. I actually got the idea for that video series. There's a guy in Maine that lobsters. I think his name's Blake. And he does. Uh, he's on TikTok as well. And he was doing a series for a little while where he was just kind of trying different stuff. And so I kind of like uh, put like... You know my my spin on that kind of concept and you know with, with you know now we have the people suggest what what we're going to use and this and that and we stack it up against a control group and then we also put in a new bait so that you have to watch the next videos to see if that one caught
1: <laughs> you know how it works. oh and i love it you got me i'm hooked i'm i'm on social media all day trying to see if luke did the sourdough bread he used work Right, you know, right. I mean, you yeah. used so many different things. It was so much fun. I had, to, I really had a good time watching. And I yeah, really we were, we were trying
2: all kinds of stuff, a lot of stuff. Um, some days it was, you know, it was like really what people were suggesting. And then other days it was like, okay, what can I find at 7-Eleven on my way to work that we can put in a can of catch pot because I forgot to get something because I'm doing 10 million things. But like I said, this coming year, 2024, we're going to, you know, we're going to be prepared to, uh, you know, really do it a lot more consistently and do it a lot better. Now,
1: you're doing a phenomenal job. It's so much fun to watch. I'm so happy that I found you last year and that we became friends and we get to talk quite often and I appreciate okay. being your friend. So thank you very much for allowing me into your world. And now you've just changed it up. Now you have a brand
2: new super duper. You got a new boss, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yep, pretty much. Yep, brought that, hired her myself. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yep. Yeah, it's fun to watch you. It's so much
2: fun to watch you, gang.
1: When I first started
2: watching Luke
1: gang, he was he was interviewing. Well, he was out there working with the oyster guys. And you had that one elderly gentleman that I've never seen anybody work so hard in my whole life.
2: What was oh, yeah. I can't remember what his name was? What was his name? Lewis Clark, I think. Yes. Yes. And yes. that guy, I think he said he was 86 or something. If I'm it's, not mistaken. And that guy was hand tong and oysters, which means you, he had these 20 foot long wooden shafts with these, I think they're like three, three and a half foot wide metal heads. And you drop them down and like you use your own power to rake the oysters up off the bottom. And then you stick the poles together and pull it up and dump it on a table. I'll tell you what, that is some, that's some hard, hard ass work there. <laughs> that's uh. I, I like doing it I'm just a glutton for punishment I guess I don't mind doing hard you know work like that but that guy being that that old and you know he had been doing it for since he was a kid you know it was really all he knew and uh man it was just crazy to talk you know talk to him about you know the differences and just seeing the 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 fleet shrink and you know he's still out there still providing for his family you know put all his kids oh. through school doing that and I mean that's that's a hard road to go but Hey. Well,
1: let's talk about that for a minute since you brought that up. Seafood in America. Seafood in America, that's your livelihood. That's his livelihood. That's my livelihood. That's my good buddy, Tommy Gomes, I had on the show a couple weeks ago, the fishmonger. This, This is our livelihood, gang, and you don't understand. We are the biggest consumer of seafood in the world. The United States of America, there isn't anybody even close, if you look. We are the biggest consumers, but... We regulate our, our United States commercial fishermen to a point that it's almost impossible to make a living doing, I mean, you work, we get to watch how hard you work to sell your crabs. It is yeah. an amazing, amazing thing. Can you talk about that for a little bit? There's a lot of people that aren't watching you. Now they're going to start watching you because they're watching the show, but my gosh, what it takes to put a
2: crab in front of your car to sell. It's an yeah. Yeah, man, it's, it, there's a lot to it. I mean, you know, just catching them, we say, you know, I say is half the battle. You know, that, that becomes, no, nothing's easy, but we joke and say, you know, that's the, that, that's the easy part is catching them. Uh, you know, you can catch every crab you want, but, you know, if you can't sell it, you know, it's no good. So, you know, with kind of with what I'm doing is, you know, I used to sell all wholesale all to restaurants and middlemen and everything, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's what 90% of the fish, you know, the, the fishermen over here do. Uh, but, you know, just kind of being a little younger in the fishery and, and, you know, definitely wanting to do it for the rest of my life, you know, I'm kind of seeing that, you know, the way to go, I think, is to, you know, connect more people with the people catching their food, you know, like kind of bridge that gap. There's a lot of, uh, especially here in the U.S., there's, there's a big divide between like, you know, your food and where it actually comes from and the people that, you know, catch it. Um, we're dominating you know, our domestic market is dominated by foreign seafood just because, uh, there's so much competition and, you know, it's not as heavily regulated in other, in, in other parts of the world. And, you know, there's so many people out there consuming seafood that, um, you know, they, they, they're trying to do anything they can to, you know, break, bring, bring the price point down and, and whatever else. And, you know, we are heavily regulated for sure, um. But I don't think the regulated the regulation would would hurt us quite as badly if you know there wasn't so much foreign competition in the market. You know what I mean? That that's really our biggest competition. So it's crazy to me that you know I'm I'm here in town. I live here in town, and it's it's more expensive. You know, like if you were to buy crabs from me, it would be you know probably more money than it would be to you know somewhere overseas have a crab caught processed, picked, whatever, and shipped to the grocery store right in town. It's just crazy. You know, part of that is a lot of, you know, it's expensive to live here. And there's a lot of you know, rising cost of operation, we have a lot more regulation. Um, So I'm really working hard to try to kind of work on marketing, you know, kind of us seafood in general, and why it's just really important that if you're going to spend that kind of, you know, seafood money on seafood it's it's very, very, very important to you know, as much as you can spend it on seafood that's, you know, caught in your own backyard is really great, but at least, you know, stateside and keep the money here, uh, you know, in the U S in town, if possible. Um, You know, I think that's very important. Well, let's
1: talk about that for a minute. I think it's important for people to understand if you go out and you catch a crab, Mm -hmm. the backstory to get to that point, the guy that sold you the bait, the ice, the, the wire, the rope, our line or whatever. I, I got to be careful. I got to be careful because, oh, my gosh, the yep, yep, internet yep. warriors are going to yep. kill me. The sharp
2: but, knife people in the comments, you know what I mean? You're nice, <laughs> well, way sharp. People nice knife. With you. they catch bigger fish than you.
1: Oh, way, way bigger all done.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but
1: the backstory of of how, how many things you support with your crabs – is mind-boggling and people don't understand Tommy Gomes sums it up perfect cheap seafood isn't good and good seafood isn't cheap the reason the American U.S. caught seafood costs more than everyone else's seafood is because we do it in a way that is sustainable we are taught sustainable fisheries and then the same people that are telling you and I we have to act in the sustainable way are walking into Walmart. now i don't have any stock in walmart but i'm just gonna blow their cover right now right they're walking into walmart and they're buying crab that walmart's allowed to say chesapeake bay crab on the box but it has nothing it's never it's never even the only time it was in chesapeake was when it
2: was unloaded from the truck right right yeah pat it passed through <laughs> or it's like chesapeake you know they'll, they'll say it's Chesapeake style or you know, something like that, or it's packed in a Venezuelan picking house called Chesapeake or Chrisfield or something, you know what I mean? Like something like that. But you know, one of the other things I think that we need to figure out, you know, kind of as, as people in the industry, is figure out a way that we make it easier for people to buy, you know, know that they're buying local and domestic seafood because it's hard to tell, you know. I mean, I'm in the industry, and it's it's there's no real way for me to tell if I look at a menu or anything or go to a store if if the you know the seafood is truly U.S. caught. You know, it can say U.S. caught, and I get you know that can help, but you never you never truly know. There's well, a lot the of way to great-
1: get around that. Like Tommy I mean, says, they throw you the box of fish and you catch it with your hands, and they say caught in the U.S. That's crazy. right. Yeah, exactly but it wasn't gang and you can tell let me just explain something to you luke's crab isn't sold at walmart yeah okay i promise you none of our commercial guys are getting their product sold at walmart because walmart's not going to buy our product because our product costs too much because we're so regulated and we fish in such a sustainable way that in order to get real u.s caught seafood you have to go to a fish market you have to go to you have to go buy the crab from luke in front of his car on the side of the road or you have to go to to read the fishmonger or tommy the fishmonger and you got to go talk to the people and see what's going on but you're not going to go to walmart or you're not going to go to costco and you're not going to get fresh caught seafood from the united states of america let's just be honest it's not happening and what you're doing what you're doing is so and that's why i love watching your stuff because you're showing that your crab is not only supporting you and your wife, but it's supporting so many other
2: people behind the scenes that no one ever even thinks about. Yeah, upstream and downstream, and you know, that, and that's the case with with all seafood caught in the U.S. You know, I've done a lot of series like that oyster series where you know I, I use um, uh, you know social media to kind of be able to show. Uh, you know all the people that it really does affect. You know what I mean? Like all other all the people that are. It's not only just the people that are catching it and the people that are selling it. You know, there's you know if it goes to a restaurant, you're employing the people at the restaurant, at the grocery store, at the picking house, at the packing house. You know, really, you know the guy that catches the bait, the guy that fixes motors, the guy that sells parts. You know, there, there's so much economy around you know seafood that we're losing so quickly. Um, you know, I, I I try to use social media as a way to kind of you know highlight. Uh, you know, the whole kind of supply chain of domestic seafood. And, you know, and if you can get kind of if you can get people to, uh, you know, kind of build a relationship uh, with, you know, either with like a person like me online or the process or, or something like that, you know, that's really how I think you can start to make some change in terms of, uh, you know, getting people to really care and, uh, you know, choosing to buy more U.S. seafood. Absolutely. Real quick, I I want to show
1: that video that I was talking to you about, about this new kill bag that Dave and the guys at Deckhand Sports came up with. Watch this video, and at the end, we're going to talk about this bag for a minute. So did you see the bottom of the bag, how he built ribs in there? So it keeps it, the fish up off of that slimy water. Did you notice that? It's kind of a unique deal.
0: Yeah,
2: that's really, that's really awesome. That's a, uh, it's a great way to keep fr- uh, fish fresh, you know, like. See the ribs in there? Oh yeah, yep. Yeah.
1: That's different. You've, I've never seen that in a kill bag before. When I met this man and I was like looking at his bag, I'm like, oh my gosh, you've, you, you created a better mouse trap, And then I fish on so many different boats and the biggest problem we ever have is trying to tie the bag down. He's got tie, tie straps or tie downs all over the bag, everywhere, because every boat you go on is different. But then that rib section in there, when you open the bag, it's just, you lay your fish in there, you sprinkle your ice over the top, it keeps them out of that slimy water. And the reason I wanted you to pay attention is because your crabs it's so important that when people come to get your crabs you have to have the best product you can possibly have same thing when we're going fishing on our skiffs we get back into the dock we want our product to be as good as it can possibly be it's a way different world than when i was your age we just really didn't even care about it we just were just out there but now it's all about making sure the product is the best it can be when it hits the dock and so after looking at this bag and talking about it I want to talk about how you keep your crab so perfect all the time. Cause I watch you and your wife sitting there on the back of your car selling your crabs. And I'm like, look at those things. They're perfect.
2: That is insane. Yeah. There's, there's a lot that goes into that actually. Uh, You know, so obviously I sell all my crabs live. I haven't gotten into like steaming them and selling them yet. Uh, So, you know, all my products, all my crabs are sold live right to the customer. And, you know, keeping them alive is a, Very hard part of the job, you know, and that's a part of the job that I've had to learn over the past year or two years uh, was selling my own seafood. It used to be, you know, I just drop them off and, you know, whatever. I got to check on Mondays. But now it's like, you know, you got to keep you got to handle them properly on the boat and and then you have to handle them properly and keep them properly in a refrigerator. Uh, And there's all kinds of little tips and tricks and this and that, you know, to, to really be able to truly deliver the very best product I can to a person. Because you know, I mean, if, if you're if if people are gonna go out of their way and spend a little extra money, you know, to uh, you know buy local seafood and whatever, you know, it really ought to be better. And you know that that's one of the things that we have, you know, world class quality seafood here in the U.S. And you know that that takes that takes work on the fisherman's end, the fishmonger's end, you know, and then you know to be able to get that the very best product we can to the customer.
1: Yeah. What I was wondering, when you got those crabs, and let's just say you or your wife go in the back of the truck and grab some crabs, if there's dead crabs there, that's basically just taking $20 bills out of your pocket
2: and throwing them in the trash, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, with any, with any you know, uh, seafood industry, you're going to have some dead loss. You know, it's just part of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when crabs are, are this expensive, you know, losing losing one or, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's, it's oftentimes a lot more. Um, it, you know, definitely hurts to see. So we, you know, we, and it it comes right out of my pocket. So it's still cool. I still paid all the money to go catch them. You know, it's just less that I can sell. Um, so you know, we definitely want to do everything possible we can to keep them alive. Oh, yeah. And
1: then I'm watch, watching you fish crab out there on the Chesapeake Bay. It's an interesting thing. I've never been there. I called you last during the summer and I was talking to you about coming there and then you told me it was 98 degrees and 90% humidity. And I told Elliot, I said, I'm not going. I'm yeah, not, It looks cool from the internet, but it let I'm not going. It's already hundred degrees. Here October. It's a hundred here and 75% humidity. I can't imagine 90% humidity. I'm, oh, I yeah. told Elliot, I'm not going, but I'm watching what you're doing. But what I can't, and you probably talk about it, but I don't see it. Maybe I missed it. When you're throwing those cages out or those crab traps
2: out there, how deep of water are you fishing in the Chesapeake Bay? Uh, it depends. You know, we're we're pretty uh, – um, so I'd say, like, you know, beginning and end of the year when the water's a little cooler, a lot of times I'm looking for bottom that's, you know, 10 to 20 foot. Uh, occasionally I'll chase them, you know, deeper than 30 but usually, I would say the majority of my crabbing season, I'm working in four to ten foot of water, which doesn't sound like a whole ton, but the Chesapeake Bay is a very, very shallow estuary. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's about the average, you know, the average depth of uh, a lot of the Chesapeake Bays is only about five to ten feet. Really? Oh, yeah. Yep. And now when you're
1: fishing these crab, are you fishing in and struck, oh, look at are you fishing it in structure or are you fishing mud?
2: Yeah. So we don't really fish a lot of structure. Um, I'm typically fishing just kinds of different kinds of bottom. So usually typically here it's either uh, mud or sand, uh, like a sand bottom we would call it like a hard bottom. Uh, there's like shell bottom, which usually we're trying to stay away from shell bottom. Um, unless you're trying to catch females or something. Uh, typically, though, yeah, it's either I, I'd probably do the majority. I'd say sixty percent I crab on mud and probably forty percent on sand. I prefer to crab on mud bottom. Actually, everything stays a lot uh, cleaner. All the gear stays a lot cleaner as well. All right. Well, you're you're looking good here. The feed is phenomenal. So
1: whatever's going on over there, we're not seeing it. So I just want you to know everything's good on our side. So we're going to keep this thing rolling along and I'll just keep talking because that's what I do the best. Just talk. Sounds good. (laughs) So when I'm watching, I'm watching, it looks to me like your traps are tied together. Is that true? Are they like in strings? You got 10, 15 traps hooked together. Is that what I'm seeing or am I not seeing that?
2: Yeah. So I fish what we call underwater lines, um, which would be, you know, mine are 25 pots connected to each other, and we have 75 foot in between each pot, and uh, yeah, so 25 on a row, 75 foot in between each one, and then I'll fish about 900 crab pots total. So okay. we'll five hundred, we'll check 500 pots a day, which is 20. We'll pick up 20 lines a day, check up, and set them back.
1: Gang, did you hear what he just said? He's gonna check five hundred pots in one day. Come on, you guys. So, what
2: time does your day start? Uh, I usually get up around four, and uh, we get down to the boat, meet the crew, uh, load load the boat up, fuel up, bait up, and go out. And we, you know, it, I will tell the guys, I say, you know, it's five hundred, rain or shine. You know, as fast as you can do it. It ain't it ain't uh, it ain't hourly work. It's piece work. So we're. Uh, you know, if we go get 500 fished in, in uh, five hours, great. If it takes us eight, we're going to be out there for eight or nine or ten, you know. But uh, we have a pretty good system, you know, down. It's sort of like a factory, kind of like an assembly line sort of system. I like to think of it as an assembly line, and we're all interchangeable parts, myself included. So, uh, you know, we, we, have a, we can get it done pretty quickly, you know, if you got the right guys on the boat. Look at that new trucker hats coming out for your
1: saltwater guide gang check that out elliot and i are working on some designs and some pictures and we're just throwing them up here on the screen those of you that are looking for the trucker hats we have them now over on the website so check it out so luke when you're pulling those crabs up and you're dumping them on the sorting table are you dumping them in the box i think it's a little box that they're dumping
2: them in do we have to do you have to measure those yeah we call that a cull box like c-u-l-l and So we're grading them now actually into seven different grades on the boat. And that goes back to, um, you know, one of those little tricks to be able to keep the product better and fresher and minimize dead loss, you know, between my catching it and getting it to the customer. So, you know, crabs, when you pull them out of the water, obviously they don't live out of water on their own, but they can live out of water for up to a week actually uh, handled properly. So one of the ways that we, minimize dead loss is that we sort all the crabs as soon as they get dumped out of the pot into every size that you're going to buy it right from me right on the boat so that we don't have to dump the crabs again and stress them out and sort them uh you know and that would possibly cause you know more you know crabs to die when you by the time you get them home it stresses them out so yeah we're, we're sorting seven different calls so my my call man uh he's they're 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 well well educated in the crab uh you know by by the time they're they're doing it all on their own for sure
1: yeah we don't get to see all that behind the scenes stuff because that's not very exciting but that guy's got to be working his butt off because in a 75 more feet you're going to dump a whole
2: nother load of them right on top of those things huh oh yeah the idea is to have the the box cleared by the next pot and, you know, we're fishing 25 pot rows and we can pick up, a rot, pick up a row, like 25 pots, shake the crabs out, rebate the pot, clean the pot, stack it on the boat, and then turn around and set the pot back in about 12 minutes for 25. That's picked up and set back. So we're rolling. I mean, it's about a 30, you know, around a eh, 30-second cycle or so. You know, sometimes we, some pots take a little longer if they got a stubborn crab in it. Some, some pots we can blow right through.
1: Now, do you have the same problem everybody else in America has now, finding guys to help you?
2: Yeah, it's definitely, crew is definitely tricky. Um, It's definitely one of the leading causes of guys getting out of the industry these days. Uh, It's, you know, they say true, good help is hard to find, and, you know, they're not wrong about that. Uh, I was fortunate this year. You know, I I had some guys that stuck with me, and, you know, I really appreciated their hard work and their loyalty. And, uh, you know, so crew wasn't. I, you know, I did have I, I was trying to find guys here and there, but this year was was definitely a little better for me. But I, I have a lot of uh, friends that are captains that, you know, they were they were definitely still struggling. It's, yeah. it's very hard to find help. I tell you, it's it's uh, I, I I think there's just a lot of other options out there for work that, you know, don't involve really doing, you know, using your body as much or getting up early or. You know, doing as much kind of hard, hands-on physical labor, and I, you know, I think a lot of people are just deciding to go that direction these days. I'm not built. I'm just built a little. I think I'm wired a little differently. You know, I, I like I, I like working with my hands. I, I can't imagine ever even having a desk job. It's my worst nightmare. I, I hate having to send emails. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm not computer savvy. Despite you know the online stuff, I'm, I'm not a. I'm a little technologically you know, impaired, but uh, I got to find more guys like me that just, you know, have to be out there (laughs) really.
1: Yeah. I think most of the guys I talk to in the industry are saying that the biggest problem is people want to know what time are we getting off today? (laughs) In our, in the fishing industry, we have no idea. We're going to get off. Like you said, when we're done.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's just not your uh, modern kind of work structure. It's just a lot different than it used to be. Um, you know, a lot of guys around here are are selling bigger boats. There's a lot of big boats. There's a lot of really little boats on the market, and there's a lot of really big boats on the market, um, particularly in the last couple of years because they've had a few hard crab seasons in certain areas of the bay, and a couple hard – the past few oyster seasons have been really good, but this one's been a little tougher. So, you know, a lot of those guys that were kind of on the uh, edge of retirement are kind of calling it quits. And a lot of guys with really big boats where it takes three, four guys, you know, to take his crew, uh, they're they're downsizing to smaller boats. And a lot of the guys in the, in the smaller boats that are kind of doing it, maybe it's not their only job. Maybe, you know, they have other things to do and, and whatever else, you know, they're getting out of it just because it's it's so hard to make a dollar because the cost overhead, you know, getting help, all that kind of stuff is just and the market is pretty cutthroat as well.
1: Now. You're talking about the market. That's perfect because that's where I was going to head for the next thing. Did you see what just came up on the screen there?
2: Yep, yep. Oh, wait, hold right. on. Try it. So
1: as it's far big. as you're reading that, as far as the market goes, what was the market this year and does it fluctuate throughout the season as far as the price of crab
2: for a pound? Was it going up and down, up and down? Is it a roller coaster or was it even? Uh, it it fluctuates every year. You know, we always start at a really high price in the spring. Uh, A lot of that's because, you know, kids are getting off of school and it's just on people's minds. It's getting warmer. Everybody around here is, you know, just getting in the mood to eat crabs. You know, it's a very seasonal item. Uh, and you know, we, our crab season's only open April to the end of November. So the market starts high and there's usually not quite as many crabs in the spring. You know, we, we have to kind of get their life cycle kick-started there, you know, with the warmer months. Um, to be honest, I don't know a, a ton about like the crab meat market and all that. It's more of a commodity based market. So I don't know a ton of how much that was up and down, uh, this summer, but I, you know, I know for me, it stays pretty consistent. And then, uh, towards the end of the year, you know, once you start getting into like September, October, actually the crabs, the quality gets a lot better. Um, But the price goes down just because, you know, people have been buying crabs all summer and kids are going back to school and things like that. Um, So it it always goes down, usually after, um, you know, those last few summer holidays and everything. Um, But, you know, the crab, the quality of the crab actually goes up as the year goes on because they're continuing their life cycle. And then our Chesapeake blue crabs, one of the things that sets them apart from other crabs in different parts of the country and world is that you know our crabs hibernate through the winter, so they'll actually metabolize food a little bit differently and store fat, you know, in in their uh, in their bodies and their meat and their shell uh, because they're getting ready to hibernate.
1: Oh, okay, I had no idea that they were hibernate. What does it freeze over? Does the Chesapeake Bay freeze over or what it, goes? On?
2: Occasionally, it will. I, I I have only seen it freeze over one time. I think that was in 2017. It was sort of a fluke. And I was patent Oyster in that year. And I remember we had to, you know, we had to call icebreakers and have the icebreakers come in and break the creek up and everything uh, so that, you know, we could get out. I was actually the only boat in the fleet that was going at that, at that time. But uh, I was hungry. <laughs> so I had to go. But uh, yeah, it, it used to freeze over every year, allegedly. That's what the old timers say. Um, but personally, I've only ever seen it once. But it gets cold, you know, about 51, 52 degrees is about the water temperature that crabs uh, need to see to be able to kind of wake up from the, you know, in the springtime and get going. Now, is it a
1: recreational fishery also? Or is it just strictly commercial?
2: Uh, yeah, rec- you know, recreational, it's the same, same kind of way, you know. Uh, you'd be pretty hard-pressed to catch crabs recreationally in April. You know, there's some spots you definitely can, but generally... You're waiting until kind of you know June, July. That's when most recreational crabbing is done. It's warm. There's kind of crabs everywhere. Their life cycle. They're always moving in and out. So, you know, if you're rec crabbing, definitely June on is uh, is definitely the time where it's going to be easiest to find crabs wherever. Now, how many permits do they allow on Chesapeake Bay? So, I don't have an exact number. But there's not a ton of commercial guys working the bay anymore. I mean, a a couple thousand. um, But, you know, that doesn't compare to the amount that was working 10 years ago or 10 years before that. And a lot of the uh, commercial licenses that are out there aren't active. So it's it's really hard to get a a good read on. uh, I'm sure somebody at the state probably has some number somewhere, but. It's hard to get a good read on how many active commercial fishermen there really are, um, which seems kind of weird. You'd think you'd want to nail that number down, but it's a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tricky, tricky thing out there with that.
1: All right, then uh, what? Okay, how many lo- how many crabs did you catch this year? Do you think how
2: many Man, for the season? Honest, I have no idea. How about pound wise? I don't know. You no. would think I would have that nailed down, but the nature of me selling them, uh, you know, we, we measure and report to the state in bushels. So, bushels like 40 pounds of crabs typically, you know, not counting the basket and everything else. So, we report in bushels and they have number averages for all of that kind of stuff. For me, it's a lot different because they're coming over the rail and I'm not selling them as bushels. You know, I can get a weight estimate. and uh you know figure out how many bushels you know i have and then i put that actually we all we we do it electronically through a like a text message system to the state now so i don't even have you know i have log books i haven't gone down and added them all up to see exactly what i've caught but uh it's definitely in the tons you know definitely many tons of crabs definitely crazy
1: quite a few that is crazy what's What's the average day do you think a pound wise? Do you do you have an idea when you guys, you and your wife are selling those crabs? What do you guys uh, think like to time?
2: catch in a day? Let's see, I'll do a little math here. Let's say 40 and then I would say an average, if you average out all the days, the good ones and the bad ones in the summer, the fall's a little different because a lot of times you're catching more quantity. Um, let's see. Mm-hmm. I'd say six to 800 pounds of crabs a day is about oh, cool. Yeah, so but you got to consider that's a lot of crabs. Our crabs aren't like those big, you know, giant king crabs and stuff like that. You know, our crabs weigh, you know, a fifth of a pound, you know, a piece or less, you know. So we're catching quite a few.
1: And then what do you think your best bait is now that we played does it catch?
2: What's what's the bait that Luke's going to use? Uh I I have yet to find another bait in Kennet catch that is cost effective and easy to store and whatever else. So I, you know, I typically use shrimp heads, which is what you'll see as the control group on Kennet catch. Um, so I stick with majority shrimp heads. I'll use a bunker like an L Y bait fish. Occasionally uh, I'll use razor clams occasionally, but you know, typically the most cost effective, Uh, An easy-to-get bait is a shrimp head.
1: Wow, that's very interesting. I saw you using them, but I had no
2: idea that was the go-to bait. That is very interesting. Yeah, it's (laughs) kind of an all round good catching bait. Um, There's With water temperature and salinity changes throughout the season, we'll switch baits and on different bottom occasionally. But all-around, you know, the way I fish – uh, shrimp heads usually works kind of the best cause you, you can let shrimp heads sit for a few more days than you can a fish in the summer. You know, in the summer, the water's so hot that a fish will break down and kind of decompose really quickly, you know, within a day sometimes, you know, cause the water's in the eighties and the nineties, you know, here a lot of times in the summer. Um, so shrimp heads, they hold up a little bit better. So I have actually my crab pots, the bait wells, the metal bait wells inside are made out of a special mesh that's tighter. Than what you would usually use because i wanted to hold those smaller shrimp heads for longer because i usually fish a three-day and a four-day set you know so my pots will be on a rotation and i'll fish them you know after they've been sitting for two days three days or four days so shrimp heads is seems to be the best all around
1: yeah there it is
2: gang there's luke
1: standing on the side of the road selling his crab it's pretty yep. it's pretty special if you follow luke and Those of you that haven't, now you will follow him. It's kind of fun to watch because he goes and he catches them. You get to watch him putting the whole thing together, catching the crabs, and then you get to watch the drama of selling them on the side of the road because Luke's like me. We're social media. People see us every day. There's a whole bunch of, uh, well, I call them booger eaters. You call them uh, whatever you want to call them that are just out there to cause nothing but drama in our lives, if you will. And yep. what they did to you in the middle of your season was just criminal. I mean that that whoever did that, and I know you know who did it, they should be in prison right now. That's just bullshit. But I know we don't prosecute in the United States anymore, so it's a free for all. But that was kind of baloney what they did to you.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I had an instance where uh, you know I had a sign that you actually saw in that one picture where uh, you know they had torn up my sign and then dumped a bunch of dead crabs and dead fish at my lot that I sell my crabs at. You know, I sell everything at at that roadside stand there and uh, they had just come through and tore up all my signs and dumped all this nasty dead stuff. And it was, you know, it wasn't great. Turned out it made for great content, you know, and you guys always use the haters for content, you know.
1: Yep. They have they have no idea how they help us.
2: Yeah, definitely. Right. I'm not encouraging anybody to go out there and do anything to me, but it was, uh, you know, we, we, you, when when an opportunity like that happens, you got to uh, try and use it to your, you know, make make the best of uh, a bad scenario. You know. Oh, absolutely.
1: There's so many people that are jealous of you and I. It's just crazy, and we're just kind of two guys just out here doing what we love, and we started putting a camera on it. And we're both. I know you're as blown away as I am at the enjoyment. <laughs> People get out of watching what we're doing. It's pretty special, and we're just doing life. It wouldn't change if there wasn't a camera on you. You'd still do the exact same thing you're doing every day.
2: There's no fluff in your world. It's all hard ass work. Yep, yep. I was uh, I was crabbing before before the cameras, and I'll be crabbing if they ever go away. You know, it's just and the, the funny thing is, everybody's always asking me. Oh, where are you going? What are you doing? Like, you know, are you going to, you got to get off that crab boat and and go, you know, pursue this. I'm like the whole reason I'm doing all this is so that I can stay on the crab boat. You know, I'm, I'm trying to make, yeah, there's the sign there. I was trying I'm trying to make the move so that I, you know, I'm able to have the freedom to fish crab as long as I'd like to, you know, and, and still be able to support a family, you know, as the, uh, you know, economy and especially the the, U S market for seafood gets harder. Um, you know, so social media is a great way for that. I mean, the power of social media is, is crazy. It's, it's mind blowing to me. Um, you really never know. Uh, you really never know what's going to happen online.
0: You know, no, know.
2: And, and you got to just roll with it. I mean, you, I'm sure you probably didn't set out Dave to uh, you know, be a social media guy in the very beginning. You know, I, I don't know how that, how that happened for you, but. Um, I know for me, it wasn't my main intention. It just kind of was an opportunity that uh, presented it, you know, kind of I accidentally created for myself and, uh, you know, just kind of rolled with it.
1: Yeah. I never saw this coming. There's 62 years old. I am. I never in my wildest imagination did. I think I'd be getting millions of views a day on social media. It's absolutely yeah. crazy. And we can put out some of the most phenomenal content in our mind, your your mind and my mind and the the video hits social media and it gets like 10 views but then i get another video to elliot and he goes oh look at this part of it and i'm like yeah that's dumb he goes let me post that and then he gets a million views and i'm like that doesn't make any sense but whatever i'll just keep doing what i'm doing and just And fun and making people laugh and doing the best I can. I just love your work ethic. That is probably my very most favorite part. Oh, my gosh. Bunch of pheasants there, huh?
2: Yeah, I was just in South Dakota on a pheasant hunting trip. Nice. Yeah. We used to
1: hunt those in uh, Turlock,
2: California,
1: on the back of my uh, uncle's uh, tractor. It was so funny. My cousin and I used to go, and I'm sorry, I got off on a tangent. When I saw those pheasants, it made me think, my cousin and I used to hunt all day on my uh, uncle's farm. He grew alfalfa. He had a whole bunch of it. And uh, we'd come back. We'd have no. We saw him, but we never got one. And my yeah. uncle goes, come here, boys. Get on the back of the tractor. One of us on each side of him as he drove the tractor down the field. And those damn birds would just sit there and wait for the tractor to come. They wouldn't even move. And, yep. we were, and he's all, that's how you
2: hunt those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a... Uh... There was a lot to it when we went out there. I was with quite a few guys with my father in law. And they, you know, they use a lot of dogs. So they had a lot of like eight, eight labs out in front of us and watching them work and everything. It was very, very, very cool. And I, you know, I grew up I did a lot of hunting. I grew up in Maryland, but I did a lot of hunting in Pennsylvania with my dad. And we hunted pheasants, you know, all of my earlier years. And we almost never saw pheasants. You know, we were we were small game hunting. You know, if we saw a pheasant, it was a treat. But man, you go out to South Dakota, and that is uh, that's their lifeblood there. They, that's like their identity. It's like crabs; they they all they're all about the pheasants out there, and they have a really amazing, um, you know, wild population of pheasants. It's pretty 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 incredible to see.
1: Oh, absolutely! We don't have that anymore here in Southern California. They uh, you can go to a farm and you can go hunt for the uh, pet pheasants. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, the ones you got to kick to get them to fly. Right. And I, I did that and I was like, this is dumb. I don't understand it. But that shotgun I just saw you hold in there, that, that, those are free, right? Those Bernellis, they're free. <laughs> that one was actually a gift from Bernelli, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Look at that thing. That is yeah. a hell of a shotgun right there,
2: you guys. If you don't know, look that up. Those things are not free. Yeah, Super Black Eagle uh, 3. Very, very, very nice gun. I was just using it this morning, actually. Beautiful gun. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, we're outdoors,
1: man. That's what we do. We go outside and we enjoy life and we get a suntan and we also work our butts off. And you are one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. And I, When you were putting together your uh, crab traps this year and it was so fun watching you paint them and how you dip them in the paint, pull them out and all that stuff. I'm telling you, dude, I watch you all the time. I love your content. It's incredible, dude. And I don't really have time with all the comments just like you. Oh, I yeah to watch anybody but i watch you i watch tommy gomes and i watch uh read the fishmonger you guys entertain the heck out of me the three of you guys that you guys are pretty much my go-to guys you're doing so much fun stuff and uh life just keeps getting better for you because you're doing the right thing and i'm super impressed with your work ethic and how hard you try to make sure that america understands where their food comes from if there's any message we can Luke and I want to leave with all of you before this show is over. Understand where your food comes from, guys. If you're buying American caught seafood, you're supporting Luke and his family. And you're supporting so many people behind the scenes. You can't even understand. But if you're going to Walmart or you're going to Costco to get your seafood, you're not. First of all, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth because you're not buying sustainable seafood. If you ever saw the way they put this crap together that goes to Costco or Walmart, you'd be blown away
2: that you're even putting that in your mouth. Have you seen the shrimp farms and stuff there? I've seen a few videos go around of the, uh, like all the foreign shrimp gardens in Asia and everything. And man, oh if that stuff really blew up and got big, phew, man, you'd, you'd have, uh, you'd probably have some more people thinking twice before ordering, uh, the dollar shrimp or whatever. Cause you know, shrimp are, are, it's the best and worst thing about shrimp is that they're very easy to farm and cost effective to farm. They grow quickly. Uh, and I, you know, they're, they're very, very high yield because all you're losing is the head. Um, but man, I tell you, a lot of those farms are pretty nasty, man. They're, they're feeding them all kinds of nasty stuff. And you know, you, that's really not really nothing that I want to be eating or feeding to my family. You know, if I can help it, that's for sure. And if you guys don't understand what we're talking about, you can
1: YouTube all this information. It's out there. Luke and I aren't talking out of both sides of our mouth. The two of us talk truth. There's a lot of people out there that don't like us because we tell the truth. But we have way more fans than we have non-fans. The really scary part about that, Luke, is I was watching a video a couple months ago where there's they're taking those shrimp and they got needles and they're injecting them with saline to make them weigh more, and they're really. That, I don't doubt that. They're taking that saline out of that pond. If you guys saw the pond, the pond's full of poo. Let's be honest; it's poo ponds. They got poo ponds with shrimp in it, and they net the shrimp out of the poo ponds and let the poo drain out of the net, and then they put, and then they eat them. It's crazy.
2: Yeah, it's it's a. Uh... It's it's pretty wild, man. And, and uh, I shameless plug here, but I have been working really hard on my long form YouTube content lately over the off season. So we've been working really hard to shoot really cool videos and keep them uh, coming. As you know, I'm in the off season, and I just did one. I just dropped it actually today, uh, this morning, where I went and tried uh, crab cakes. You know, from all different price points. So I tried crab cakes that were a dollar you know, that I got from Walmart and I tried them at five different places all the way up to, you know, a hundred dollar crab cake. And the difference speaks for itself, really. Um, You know, the the, the dollar crab cakes, they're not even made out, they're made out of like, it said fish flakes on the box. I'm like, fish flakes are for fish. You know what I mean? Um, But as you go up, you know, you can tell you're getting into the, you know, into the domestic caught seafood and, you know, it's a higher price point, but I tell you the the, uh, the difference was truly amazing. I mean I could tell the difference um, between even like the second crab cake I tried was at bonefish Grill, you know like a chain restaurant and it was crab meat, but it was I could tell it was foreign crab meat by the way it tastes and the way it's you know it was you know the, the size of the jumbo lump and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you know after you got after the, you know past that one it was a lot more crab meat that's caught in the US and man they were the difference was, you wouldn't even want to waste your money on on the cheap stuff, you know. You want to you wanna, you're, you want to be paying you know decent money if you want to go eat good seafood for sure. And and I actually talked about Chilean sea bass in there because I was at Bonefish and they had it on the menu. And I was talking about how uh, you know it's not even a real fish. It's Chilean, you know, it's a, it's a Patagonian toothfish or whatever. You, Dave and I always joke about the uh, the Chilean sea bass. Anytime he asks on Facebook like what kind of fish this is, I says, it's a Chilean sea bass. It's gotta be. Because they, you know, that's, that's a fish that they, they call all sorts of fish, the Chilean sea bass. <laughs> oh, yeah. I get, in,
1: I get in arguments with the waiters and waitresses at restaurants. When, I, when it's slow and I don't have anything to do that day, I'll talk to them and I'll say there's no, the Chilean sea bass is fresh. I'm all, no, it's not fresh. It it's actually doesn't even exist. Oh, we got a whole bunch in the back. No, you don't. You have none. There's no such thing. It's a made-up name. But one of my commercial fishing buddies is on here and uh, he wanted to know, does your gun, that Brunelli, does
2: it jam a lot? It doesn't jam much for me. I I had it jam actually the very first time I took it out, which was in South Dakota. I had it jam a couple times, twice. But this gun is an inertia-driven gun. And I've hunted with a lot of gas-driven guns, which means that, you know, it's a semi-automatic. So an inertia gun is using the, you know, the, the, uh, energy from the shotgun shell to eject the shell and load the next one. And sometimes if you don't, uh, you know, if you're shooting fast and you don't have it seated on your shoulder properly, you know, there's inertia guns occasionally will jam. I really haven't had much problem. Uh, the gun I used before that, I still use it, but I had before that was a Browning A5 and awesome gun. Love that gun. And it, it worked great on uh, three inch shells, but it did not like, uh three and a half inch magnums it wouldn't do that i haven't tried three and a half in the benelli uh but i'm sure it would be fine i mean know, uh, brand new benelli so they're supposed to be very very good guns very you know kind of top of the line shotguns you know a lot of people say and very fortunate and shout out to benelli it was a very nice gift very generous oh, <laughs> was very happy to have it. i would have never bought myself a gun that nice so <laughs> i love you so it- I got another
1: buddy who's on here, Dan and his wife, Kim, and they're commercial tuna fishermen for a very long time. And they were, they were saying something just now about most of that crab meat that we see today at these chain stores, it's not even crab. And yeah. how can you understand? the America's
2: allowed to mislabel seafood all day, every day, aren't they? I don't know the, you know, the nitty gritty details of that side of the industry, but I know that there's a lot of kind of very vague uh, advertising when it comes, you know, swayed one way or the other when it comes to seafood, for sure. Yeah, that imitation crab meat, gang. The no, key word there is
1: imitation.
2: If it says yeah. imitation crab meat, it's probably not crab meat. No, definitely not crab. Like if, you, if, if they're talking about like the sticks, like those pink and white sticks of crab that's supposed to look like a king crab leg meat, uh, that's not crab at all. Actually. That's they you know, they call that imitation crab meat, but it's, uh, I think it's actually made out of pollock or whiting. Pollock. Pollock. It's one of the things that they use, you know, they, they produce on like the factory vessels and stuff like that.
1: Yep. It's all the leftover stuff at the end of the day. They, they mash it all up and they make a paste out of it and then they sell it as imitation crab meat, but there's plenty of cans of crab meat out there that are not crab meat also gang. And oh yeah,
2: definitely. There's, there's all different kinds. It is crazy to me that it's easier to just to like fabricate crab meat out of a hundred different ingredients and additives and preservatives than it is just to, you know, catch the actual crab and buy it from somebody that's catching it and sell it like crab meat. You know, just, it's just pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense how it can be cheaper for them to make it with a bunch of chemicals than it is to actually go out and catch a crab.
2: Yeah. No, I, I think that's that's really wild. You know, I'm I'm just a I'm a huge uh, supporter of you know, using what you have around you, you know, in terms of, you know, like utilize the resource around you, you know, like I'm here, I live in Maryland, I catch crabs, it's a natural resource. I hunt, you know, I I eat everything I, you know, I, I kill. Um I think that that's, you know, you know where it's coming from, right? Like it's, it's a wild, it's a wild animal. So, uh, I think that's, that's very important. I think that's slipping away from us very quickly in America, especially, you know, people will be super upset, you know, that you shot a deer. I know every time I put up a deer picture or, or anything that I kill on Instagram, you know, I can see the, the followers drop, you know, uh, but Hey, you know, it is what it is screw them. But. It, in reality, those people are going to the store and buying cow. And I mean, at least deer <laughs> got to live outside. And around here, we probably going to get hit by a car, you know, if you don't eat it. So, <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of a, a short sightedness on a lot of people's behalf when it comes to that that kind of stuff. You know, that's
1: the very first thing I say every time someone gives me crap about what I'm eating. I go, "You eat cow? Why do you get?" As soon as you put cow, and don't get me wrong, I love cow. Oh, yeah, me too. As soon as you put cow in your mouth, I don't care what you say. You're already, you don't have any information. You're sharing non-information. One of my good buddies that's on here, Tim Ogilvie, he wants to know: Did you watch my popcorn lobster leg video? Uh, I don't think I did see that one. Okay, because he wanted to know: Can you do that with crab legs? Can you do the popcorn lobster with the crab legs. We don't know. We'll have to try that next time Luke catches a crab. We'll have to do it. I'll send you a link to the popcorn lobster leg video. You'll crack up. It's got millions of views and so many people. Oh, here, Elliot's gonna put it up, watch. Great video for me. I just showed, talked to them on the phone and told them how to do this. And this is popcorn lobster legs, gang. You drop the leg into the bag. You do not seal the Ziploc bag. The reason why we leave it open is so that the bag itself doesn't explode. What we're going to do is we're going to set it for 20 seconds, and we're going to watch this. And when it goes pop, it's done. Then you're going to open up the door. Watch, watch. Pop. That's the meat popping out of the leg. It comes out exactly the same size as the leg. It's incredible. They can only do one at a time, but we always put it in the Ziploc to make sure that we... uh, don't get lobster meat all over inside the microwave there it is look at that perfect chunk blow on it a little bit cool it down mike lewis and there you go what yum yum nothing better than popcorn lobster leg
2: so is that a po- is that a lobster leg that's already been cooked or is that a raw lobster
1: leg raw lo- the lobster was still alive which created a whole bunch of drama on the internet because
0: I'm sure. Oh, yeah, because
1: well, you know, we don't kill the lobster before we cook it. We cook them alive. That's just the way it is. If you kill them, then the toxicity gets into the meat and it's not good. But we just pop that leg right off the lobster while it's alive, put it in the microwave. Now every microwave is different, Luke. So I only set it for 20 seconds. Some it'll pop out in three minutes or three seconds. Some it'll pop out in 20 seconds. And then you just watch it. And the meat pops just like that. Comes right out of the leg, exactly the size of the leg. It's incredible.
2: That is crazy. I've never seen that. I'm I'm gonna have to try that with crab for sure. I, the crab legs on the blue crab are really small, but if you could take all the legs and throw them in the microwave and get you know all that more meat out of them, I mean, hey, that's that's getting more out of it. And I'm I'm curious to see if it would work with a crab claw as well. Does it work with a lobster claw? We don't have claws on our lobsters. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Oh yeah, yeah. Tiny lobsters, right?
1: Yeah, they're the real lobsters. You guys have <laughs> crawfish. You guys have crawfish you call lobsters, the crawfish with the big claws. they get we have ice- some
2: crawfish here. Not not a whole lot. They have them more down in Louisiana and everything. They're real big down in Louisiana. Okay. There
0: you tiny lobster. There you go. That's good. That's good eating
2: lobster there. I've had them before. They're very, very good. It's the most sought after lobster in the world. China
1: pays $100 a pound for them. I bet. I believe it right now at the fish market if you went to the fish market to buy them it's 38.50 a
2: pound true i believe it but hey somebody had to get their butt up out of bed at three o'clock in the morning start the boat up and go out dive down or do whatever they got to do to catch them
1: oh yeah yeah.
2: They're doing the same thing you're
1: doing. They're fishing traps. They're just putting them on structure all over the place. You can only fish 350 per boat nowadays, or 300. They, they keep regulating it cutting it down. The, the whole thing is, and let's be honest, they do not want us fishing in America, period. They don't care where their seafood comes from, but do not catch it here in America.
2: Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with, I think it's a cultural thing. You know, a lot of it is kind of this new age cultural deal where it's the same kind of people that get upset when you, you know, you shoot ducks or pheasants or a deer and you eat it. You know, people are, they think that all the animals can just live out there in perfect harmony and, and, and regulate themselves, but it's people fail to realize, I think that we're not living a hundred years ago, 200, 300 years ago. It's not the same. You know, the, the biomass of people is, is huge, And the, you know, the, the, the amount of the, the ways that people affect the waterways and, you know, the woods and everything else, uh, it's just, it just doesn't work the same as it used to, you know, it's not like there's nobody around and they'll just do whatever. Like here, like I said, deer, if you don't shoot them and eat them, they're going to be roadkill, <laughs> you know, but I think there's a whole kind of, a lot of, a lot of stuff about that.
1: All right, well, we're going to wrap this up. I told you I'd only have you for an hour, Luke, and I know you just got off the water hunting, so I'm going to let you go take a warm shower and get your day going and hang out with your wife. Gang, I want to thank you all. Elliot, thanks for producing a phenomenal show. Luke, thanks for being a part of this show. Everybody that's watching, I appreciate all of you, and I really do, from the bottom of my heart, I hope you all have a great holiday. Check out my website, YourSaltWaterGuide.com, for some great holiday values. Check out Deccan sports for the most bitch his kill bag ever made. He's touched. He's checked every box. There is nothing you're going to need when you go there and look at Deccan sports and check out their bags. We'll throw that QR code up one more time before we leave. So you guys can grab it off of there. Everybody let Luke know. Thank you very, very much for a phenomenal show. Luke, we're going to all watch you. We'll bring you back in right before you start killing crabs on the Chesapeake Bay to update
2: us on everything cool about Luke. Sounds good, man. I really appreciate you having me on. It's always, it's always an awesome time. And shout out to Elliot for making it all happen. Yep. Thank you, Elliot.
1: Thanks, Luke. Goodbye, everybody. See you all on Monday. Remember, turn off, the news. turn off the news. They're all lying to you. This is the only place you get the truth. News isn't good for you. Turn the news off. Go outside. Do something. Go outside. Yeah. Bye.